Hi, everybody. This is Charlie Guarino. Welcome to another edition of Tech Talk SMB. Today's podcast, I'm very happy to be sitting here with Mr. Kuhn de Corte. Kuhn is the, is the information and communication technology consultant for IBMI. He's the owner of CD Invest which is an IBMI modernization and innovation consultancy based in Antwerp, Belgium. Kuhn, it's a real treat for me to be sitting here with you and talking about IBMI modernization. Thank you so much for joining me. Yep, uh, happy to be here. So, uh, yeah. Excellent. Kuhn, you and I, have been talking a lot recently about IBM modernization. And one thing that I always say when whenever we have this topic is it's such a funny word because depending on who I'm speaking to, it has so many different meanings. And I can I, I feel very confident that if I ask six to ten different people on what it means to them, I will get 10 different answers, 10 different responses. So how do you interpret that to me when, when I say, what does modernization mean to you, especially in IBMI? What does that mean to you? And, and why does it vary so much across different organizations? Yeah, modernization, uh, yeah, if you literally uh, translate, since I, uh, I know the, where the words come from, it's from the Latin, it means right now. So it means uh, being uh, that your application is adapted to the world right now, that you can change and uh, evolve it uh, with the world right now. That is for me uh, a modernization. So it can, in some cases, if your application is running fine, it can mean we just change some on the database and we are flexible to yeah, evolve the company forward. So modernization can mean many things for many people. And for me, it is being uh, in the right now. So my application is ready to, to serve everything my company needs at this, at this moment in time. And if that is, for example, for some companies, it can mean that you have need for uh, changes on your database, so you can easily uh, put them in. You can evolve that. You sometimes it's business logic needs to change. Sometimes it's the interface. It can be many things. Like like you say, it can mean many things for many people. But uh, the main thing is there, and the most common yeah, denominator between everything and everybody is that it, uh, they all want their application to be ready for the time now, ready for now, and being in the moment. So you're not with uh, like an old application that uh, yeah you are thinking you are still working on the on the past or living in the past. But I think it goes beyond that because I agree with you that we it needs to be prepared for the time right now. I agree with that. But I think we need also need to also keep our eye on beyond today. In other words, modern yeah, it always goes beyond today. But that I call more the innovative part. And many applications you want to be innovative. You need to change for the future. You will. To prepare your application to have AI in, to have this in, to have uh, many new stuff in. But uh, yeah, the first thing on the modernization is being able to to do the things you want to do. Uh, yeah, today because in many customers we visit at the, for, for the first time, you see the application is not doing what the business needs today. So it's first bringing them up to par to let the business be able to do what they do today and then evolve it further. Because on many customers as well, we have, to, I saw that on customers that moved, for example, to SAP or to uh, Microsoft Dynamics, that the new application is also not doing what they need to do today. So in, in some cases, when they admit it, 
they they even go back or they even ask for for custom code again to be able to do what the business needs today. So being a modern application, you need to do what the, the business does today. Be ready to adapt all to all new technologies. That's that's uh, per se a definition of being modern. You need to be adaptable to everything you, you want to add in AI because that's what uh, yeah most are looking at, adding AI or adding a new interface, adding a connection to other systems, uh, moving part of the application to cloud. It can be a whole, whole bunch of stuff that, that can be added on. Or for some of our customers, it's like we do now, it's adding a 3D configurator. Can be a, a whole wide uh, stream of things that you change. It's interesting to me, but by you saying what you just said, getting your application being able to run today, and that's considered modernization, I think that has now separated in my mind the difference between modernization and digital transformation. Because to me, they're Many people, I they use the term interchangeably, but that's not really correct, I think. Digital transformation to me is once you are now modern, I think going to more emergent technologies. Is that is that a fair statement? I would say that's a fair statement. Digital transformation is going, indeed, beyond the modernization, is going towards yeah emerging technologies like AI, like uh, blockchain, or like uh, adding Internet of Things to, to your application. Or, or even uh, yeah, moving part of your application cloud native. Let's keep going along those lines then. We talk about modernization. We don't just wake up one day and decide to modernize. Typically, there are some business triggers that would have a company either decide to or quite honestly be forced to modernize. What have been some triggers that you might have seen out there? Yeah, in, in many cases, it's yeah, either the business that says, okay, we need to, to modernize because we have, for example, at some customers, it can be the new people coming in that they don't understand the green screen, doesn't want to work on a green screen. It can be that as a, that the users don't want to work with the application or that business owners, when they see uh, an old application, they think to, they, they need to have a new one. Can be just a screen or can be use case of uh, yeah, new applications, uh, linking it to others. Uh, or even yeah, adding in AI or adding in uh, a new machine, for example, uh, at a customer, they wanted to add in a whole new factory floor, so needed to change. And then at the same time, they wanted to add in some IoT uh, linking to PLCs and everything. So it meant changing the whole application and the way they worked. In many cases, the business use case comes also from uh, a whole transformation of the business itself in many cases. Because now you have a lot of political, I call it political discussions at customers. They want a new interface or they want to go to SAP or Dynamics. That is something you hear a lot. But in many cases, it boils down that they want a more modern screen. It's not that uh, at those customers, it's not really a modern application. But when the business really is in a transformation that they say, okay, we are going to change the way we work, change our production uh, way of working, changing that, that business is also uh, yeah, really taking charge of the project then you really get a good yeah, innovation or modernization project um, to move forward. And uh, then when the business carries also the project, it will more likely succeed because in many cases, we I saw a lot of failed projects, both in the modernization uh, or in the moving off, uh, I, I would say. It's, uh, yeah. So when, you, when you're brought into a, a business for this discussion, there has to be, I think, 
an evaluation, an initial evaluation on determining the company's readiness to even begin a modernization, either project or even just to have that discussion. What what might be some of the key components or indicators, if you will, to help a company identify its readiness to begin modernizing your application? Uh, in many cases, the readiness comes from when or when you called in. Either you we are called in. In our case, when uh, yeah, something failed or when they can't find any new people uh, to work on the platform. That is the two mo most common things. So when you enter, the willingness to to modernize or to change is mainly done because, yeah, I call that external factors because they are put with their back against the wall. They don't find any new people to work on their platform. They don't find any new application that works for them. So they are put with their back to the wall. And then there is a readiness to do something. But on the other hand, you also sometimes have the readiness by, uh, that, like they want to do an AI project, they want to do something really new and they need the data or they need something to some or somebody that can read the old data, read the logic in to feed the new system or to feed it to the new application they want to build or they want to build uh, something with, for example, geospatial or with uh, IoT. They need uh, somebody that knows it. And then you got the business needs and uh, they, they carry the project. Then they are already willing. But in many cases, willingness these days comes from being with your back against the wall in my in my. In my case, uh, I see it at a lot of customers. It's really unfortunate, I think, that we have to wait until people's backs are indeed up against the wall, because then I think sometimes you make decisions that you may not have made if you had the the benefit of more time or or more more better. Yeah, if you had the benefit of more time, indeed, you would take uh, different decisions. Like we have customers that really they want to be in innovative, change constantly, invest constantly in their applications. You have those say, okay, IT is not a cost, but IT is what makes me my, yeah, what is part of the company, what is an asset and not a cost. While others, when they, in many cases, treat it like a, like a cost, it will end up in uh, yeah, getting uh, back against the wall in many cases. So why do you think some companies wait until their again their back is against the wall? Do you think that it, they view it as a as a risk to the or the enterprise to to start a modernization project, or is it just because they're just so busy with everything else and it it, it always gets pushed? There's to the different back? reasons, but the uh, main reason I think is because the uh, uh, people are reluctant to change. So that is something human in human nature. You are reluctant to change. And in many cases, they are just reluctant to change. And then it, since they didn't change that long and they try and find all those years, they saw it more as uh, not so costly or and in the end, it becomes costly to, to change or do anything because we didn't change anything on uh, all those years. And also, they are also not aware that of the possibilities sometimes of the platform. Many customers that I visit are not aware that you can run, for example, some open source application or that you can do some OCR with the platform or that you can do even AI with the platform. They are not aware that you can do that. So they think it's just a box for the old stuff to run that, that will run. And when we don't need the old stuff anymore, we will move off. In many cases, it's seen as a cost and uh, yeah, just let the legacy run and uh, don't use it. That's a good point. So clearly education is very important here. Education is the 
yeah, most important thing. That's what uh, why I try to go out and speak to a lot of customers or a lot of events is to try to educate people and point them to the fact that uh, they can do all that with the platform. Even if they don't use it, they know it exists and they think differently of the platform and they think differently to move forward because in many cases, the legacy, uh, I, I used to say that a lot of times, legacy is like in the Middle Ages uh, when you had the Renaissance, they talked about the Dark Ages, but you had like a, a French philosopher that said, okay, we are like uh, dwarfs sitting on the shoulders of giants, which means we can see further and do more than the giants in the renaissance so the middle ages were like the giant that uh, evolved the whole legacy that was there if it wasn't there we wouldn't have a michelangelo or a Raphael. it was impossible so we cannot create a, a very good application without all the knowledge we have from the past so it's a, yeah in many cases an asset for many companies but they don't realize they have an asset they see it as a cost and they want to get rid of the cost so we, we talk about how some companies have their backs against the wall and things like that. But beyond just a traditional modernization project where we're updating a database, for example, or the, the UI or the languages themselves or the, the whole thing, there has to be more to it than just that. There has to be the ability to implement new processes and new technologies and maybe, maybe even better security. Have you seen situations where security alone is the most important thing? And if we can implement better security, then we are more modern. Have you seen those situations? Yeah, I've seen situations where we we were brought in just to do the security and uh, move everything more secure. We had that at a customer in insurance because they gave to their insurance brokers uh, the 5250. It was uh, non-SSL all over. Uh, they uh, just divided all with, uh, I think, the Mocha clients to all their uh, brokers. So we had to change the application to be uh, on the web with uh, HTTPS and everything. So they were more secure. And that was the whole reason to do the project, was to be able to close the port 23 on the firewall. That's the whole reason for the whole project. So security was there, the main driver. Also at some other customers, Security was the main driver when we had to implement even encryption on the database because they, they needed to be more GDPR compliant. So you have those cases where security uh, or wanting better security can yeah, trigger even the whole project. But the, it doesn't stop at security. Anything like security or having the requirement for IoT or even a, a more modern UI, whatever the case is, this, I think, is how you build a business case to get budget. Yeah, yeah, you get you get like that. You can get the business case and you can get the budget from either upper management or the business owners in many cases. Because that will justify uh, the cost to the, the company. Because in the end, they will want to have like a return of investment. So they will want to know, okay, what do we get for when we invest this or this? Is this really necessary or can we live with this? So you have to make uh, decisions each time. And and I don't think any two modernization projects are alike because everybody has different modifications. Their legacies work differently, perhaps. And also the choice of which new technology they want to implement might be different. Indeed, it's always different. Always yeah. different, yeah. Never do the same. If you look at all our case studies, it's 
even different technologies that are used. Some kinds, sometimes it's Node.js, sometimes it's Python, sometimes RPG, sometimes combination, sometimes just Java. It can be, it depends also on the knowledge that is uh, present in the company or what they want to achieve. But uh, yeah, today I would say you don't have a one language solution anymore. You will have to have multiple languages in. You don't have it anymore. It doesn't exist anymore. One thing I know for sure in any project of this scale is that there are what I call many moving parts. And a modernization project is a big project, potentially. And one thing that comes into my mind, of course, is project management. How do you typically manage these projects? Is there one ideal strategy that works to help you get from beginning to end? Yeah, for us, it's uh, what uh, we call the work pack. Uh, yeah, it's a methodology where we put all the things that need to be done on a, on a list we call a work pack. We divide the project in different work packs. And then for each of the items on the list, I go through with the business and we use like the Eisenhower matrix where we decide, okay, is this important and urgent? It gets rated higher than just an important one, than just an urgent one, and then just uh, not important and not urgent. So in the end, we just score everything with the 150, a 10, and a zero. And in the end, you see you only work on the 100s, go back to the business because you will see you will only work on the 100s anymore and you get more success out of the business because they 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 rate what is a more important feature for them than the less important features. And in the end, uh, you don't work on the tens or zeros. It's uh, something you can either delete, zeros you can directly delete, and the tens, uh, I never, uh, yeah. In some extreme cases, you you will end up working on the tens, but that's really in extreme cases. In many cases, tens you won't even do as well. So it's a it's a weighting system. You 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 assign different weights to different tasks, and then that's how you decide. You, you you assign different weights. That's the technique that uh, General Eisenhower used in the Second World War to make his decisions. He gave the same weights, and what what needs to be done, and what you can do, what you cannot do, is the prior yeah sort of prioritizing system on the to do list. And with the work pack, you create to-do lists for each uh, individual part. For example, if you have to rewrite a bigger, bigger ERP, you would say, okay, purchase, I will have to do this, 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 this. For sales, we need this, this, this in. And you rate everything uh, accordingly. And with that rating, yeah, you can then say, okay, these are the priority. Within the all the 100s, the top priorities, you will also rate then yeah, give an order on that. And each time you, you finish some of those things, you, you go back to the business to, to be in kind of a, a continuous cycle. That's how, how we did most of our projects for the moment. We, we do most of them like that. You know, another thing that comes to my mind is when we're having this modernization conversation is the skills of the development team. That's very important. We need to have people who are at the top of their game to implement these latest technologies. Uh, what kind of training or skills should somebody have if they're going to really be successful in a modernization project? Now, yeah, you will need to have a combination. So uh, they will need to have uh, yeah, somebody that can still know the business or read the business logic from the older programs, have the knowledge on the, on the database or can read uh, yeah, the older code to understand what is happening, to see what is happening. On the one side and on the other side, uh, yeah, he will need to get assistance from people knowing the new technologies like the Python, like the Node.js, or yeah, and have a combination. I think 
the the times when you were able to do the full stack and you were the full stack developer i don't think that uh, that is still possible because you you cannot know all, all the different technologies it evolves too fast you can say okay i know some javascript or i know some rpg i can build both but it will in the end uh, yeah, you will not be able to be on top of, of uh, technology or, or have all the knowledge on each of those technologies. That is uh, no longer doable. Because uh, in many cases for us, we see that we put some young guys that know Python, that know JoeGS, together with an older uh, experienced RPG developer. The young ones, they learn some new RPG fairly quickly. That's easy. It only takes them a couple of weeks and they are already writing free RPG with SQL. But then on the other hand, they lack the knowledge of the business. They lack, uh, yeah, the the real business knowledge uh, to write the applications, and uh, that is something we sometimes underestimate. That uh, older developers they have also a lot of knowledge on on the applications and how applications really work, while the young ones are, are probably more uh, technology versed than than the older ones. I agree with you. It's it's very often a very sad day when somebody who's been in that shop for for. 20 even 30 years you know when they walk out the door of that last day that could be a very scary day for many companies indeed that is uh they underestimate what works out especially in terms of knowledge business knowledge alone is already probably yeah worked a lot and in many cases they didn't do any transfer to knowledge transfer to anybody else and that is a, a huge mistake that is, that is done uh, many companies that's when they end up with their back against the wall because in many cases, it's not necessarily the knowledge of the application. It's the business knowledge that has gone out of the door, like you say. Maybe even more important. Yeah, it's more important the business knowledge. Because uh, you can always read a program, but sometimes you don't know why it is uh, like that. You see, okay, the program has this if, and they put this in this field. But uh, yeah, you don't know the reason why the business put that if in. So if it is not documented, you are... Yeah. It's a question mark. Cool. One thing I, I talk about whenever I discuss modernization is getting, when I say getting your house in order. And what I mean by that is, I think if you're going to really embark on this journey of modernization, clearly, in my, in my opinion, one of the things you absolutely need to have, and I think hopefully you do already have as a customer, that is, is a good change management system. That's really vital, I think, to start this journey. Is that something that you would agree with? I would definitely agree with because uh, I say that to all the customers, try to get, uh, yeah, because you get some more documentation on all the changes that were done on an application when you have a change management system, when you go to uh, yeah, even versioning of your code, just use it like that, just use a GitHub or, or use a Tortoise or another SVN. You have a lot of them out there, just use one and and have versioning already on your on your on your code or on everything because it will not even not alone on your code but also sometimes on your front end or on JSON files. We do it even for the 3D files at the customer for a 3D configurator because we we also put them in. It's also like text files, so you also get versioning on on the files, so you can see okay we made this change, and then you have to write some small comment why when you push it there, so you have some some trace that somebody change something and then you can see, okay, this was for that, this was for that, these changes need to be the, done together or uh, implemented together. I guess you're referring to third party, but I know I know some companies even have their own custom built change management systems. And I think that that would also be sufficient, I think. 
Yeah, that can also be sufficient. We have customers that build their own system as well, uh, where they keep track of all the, the changes and uh, really document it well, and then move everything to production. That is also for me, okay, you don't need to have a product or an open source project that you use. It can be something you've written yourself, but you will need to keep track of the of the changes and try to manage uh, the, the change. All right, so I have my last question on traditional modernization, and then we'll, I'm gonna change gears on you, change topics, but end of the project is, when does modernization officially end or does it ever really end or is it an ongoing process? For me, it's an ongoing process. It doesn't really end. It can end, the, the business can say, okay, we pause and uh, we will see uh, within an, a year or within two years. But in fact, in reality, it never, never stops because you will need to keep changing and follow along with the change because that way you stay current with, with your application and with everything. It doesn't stop. It's like I say, you always keep up to being the application you want and to have today. So it doesn't stop. It's an ongoing process. At what point do we stop saying the word modernization and just use the word refactoring? Or is that even a fair question? It, it depends. Yeah, it can be refactoring or uh, transforming digitally, even in the end. Mm. It's all different technology words. But in the end, when your application, yeah, we have customers like uh, that are uh, famous for their case studies now that uh, where we did all the, the stuff, we helped them even move some parts to, to other applications. And now we are moving some parts back, changing again. It's a constant change. The or IBM for two or three of those case studies within the last uh, five years that they are published, they already did three or four updates because it constantly changes. And those were already uh, modern application because one was with the 3D configurator, the other one was with a lot of IoT and PLCs linked in, and we, we already changed those applications twice or, or three times during the last uh, five years. So it's a constant change. But once the customer sees the value in there, my my personal experience is once the customer sees value in the new applications, they constantly invest in them. And you see a lot of younger people also they attract younger people also as a company, not only on the IT part, but also on the other parts in the company. You see a more dynamic company in those cases. Because it sends a message that the company is willing to adapt new technologies and it becomes a fun workplace. It becomes a fun workplace and you see that young ones want to work in those companies. While others that don't do it, they say, okay, we do quick this or that. And then they stop all those things. You see that young ones don't stay in those companies. That's a fair point. Especially uh, when you look around, now, you see that more and more companies are getting difficulties finding people, especially here in Europe. It's uh, not so easy to find skilled people uh, or people wanting to work, even wanting to work for some companies. Young ones are uh, yeah, thinking differently in some cases than, than we are. I want to spend a few minutes on pure digital transformations with a real focus on AI, because that is the topic that's on everybody's mind. Anywhere I go, anywhere I know you go, anywhere we speak, we hear AI questions. So let's let's talk about AI, especially on IBM I. First of all, how has AI maybe uh, begun to transform the landscape of IBM I applications? Have you seen an impact already? Uh, for us, I've seen an impact already because in many cases, you need to transform or change your application to be ready 
for AI that is on all the platforms the same because sometimes you can have like a, a field in the database with a price zero getting the price zero can mean okay you have to ask the manager but that is something the AI cannot detect or cannot know so you will need to create a separate field for that adapt your application that the zero is not really a zero in that case but it means ask the manager so at a separate field with true false okay we added to ask the manager in some cases you have another in the same price sheet you can have like all nines can mean something different so you will need to adapt and clean that out so to get more clean database and clean very clean database so you cannot have rules like that in because then like uh, since my son is uh, teaching that also at university and doing a lot of projects he says that yeah, cleaning up the data and preparing everything from the data and the rules from the application, it will take you a long time. Most of the time, 80% to 90% of the project will be doing that. Just getting the application ready, getting the data ready, and then building a model will probably only take you a few weeks and you will be yeah, up and running. So the main main thing is uh, before uh, even starting the, yeah, the real AI, uh, AI stuff, because we've seen it that at customers well they they had to clean up a, a lot of stuff like in belgium we have uh, we had the largest up until last year uh, iot network in the world where they collect data for how much rain will fall on places so that's i think between four and five hundred uh devices out there and uh, they are still in the process they are it's already a three-year pro project they are doing at university here and they're still in the phase of cleaning up the data getting the application ready to be able to do the first AI uh, prediction on it. So it's still a huge, uh, huge amount of work that. So it's not really surprising to me that data cleansing is a big part of this. Clearly not, because I mean, you need good data to make good forecasting. Yeah, you need good data or you need, and also good, not only good data, but also good definitions of the business rules. The, the model needs to take uh, into account because you can just have a prediction model, normal prediction model. So you say, okay, I predict I will sell 100, uh, 100 pieces. But if you only sell uh, 90 and you have 10 surplus on stock, or if you are able to sell 110 and you don't have the 10, what is costing the company more? Is it having those on, on stock or is it having a... Uh, uh, not not being able to sell the 10 or having the 10, uh, 10 in, in your inventory. And you need to have those costs, uh, how do you say, cost rules on top of your model because otherwise your model will not be worth anything to your company. It will always predict you the 100. But in some cases, you will end up with the 90 or you will end up with the 110. And you want to correct the model to be able to yeah, be as cost effective for you as possible and be... Yeah, take into account your business rules because I know we have customers where we implemented models like that to where they they don't want to have the the surplus on stock so we we'll correct the models and do a, a prediction more yeah level down the prediction so we'll either go and predict like 90 to have less on stock other customers will want to have oh no we always want to have the opportunity because keeping the inventory doesn't cost us anything. So we will want to sell the 110. So we will overestimate or, or have the model take into consideration that we can uh, have events where we sell more than, than predicted. You know, Kuhn, we started our conversation by saying modernization is bringing the technology up, into, up to current standards. And then we can have the discussion after that to talk about 
emerging technologies, but surely there are customers out there today who are running pure legacy applications, we'll say not modern, but they hear about AI, they hear about what it's capable of doing, and they say, we want to do this today. And that's not, so I guess the question is, is it is it possible to run AI, something as advanced as AI, on a legacy application? Or are there, are there some basic requirements that have to be done that are not negotiable that we must do before we can implement an advanced technology such as AI? Yeah, in many cases, uh, a must-have is already having an SQL-defined database. That is a must-have because many of those systems, they will expect date fields to be date fields when they do calculations and not have like a character or a numeric field. So not having a really good database, uh, SQL database, will not allow you to run those things. It will mean you need to write an extraction, get your data out, get your data converted, and have a long process on, on there. So you will not be able to do anything if you don't if your database is, is not already in order. You can you can still run the green screen, you can still run your your old code, but your database will need to at least either do it through a trigger and uh, have like a yeah, a view to, to 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 be the dummy of your physical file, but have like SQL fields besides it that contain then the the correct date format, for example, or or other fields for that matter. But you will need to have a, a correct database as a minimum. So we talked about some basic skills that a development team needs to have to modernize. Are there any additional skills that people need to have on their teams? to integrate AI into an application? To integrate AI, yeah, you will need to have uh, yeah, knowledge of uh, domain. I, I, they always call it domain knowledge, the business knowledge. We'll need to have the business knowledge on your team to implement AI. Besides the knowledge of the database, besides knowledge of the, the programming, you will need to have the domain knowledge. So uh, the knowledge of, okay, what is happening, if it is, for example, to predict where to have some stores, you will need to know the market, you will need to know the competition, you will need to know some business knowledge. This is doable, this is not doable, because in many cases, uh, the AI system doesn't have the domain knowledge as well. So we'll need to feed it with the domain knowledge, business knowledge. Not having you somebody that knows the business well on the team will uh, definitely not succeed in, in having the AI system. Up. Because uh, if you want to have a prescriptive or, or more analytics, you will have to have domain knowledge. And sometimes even just common sense, because we had a customer that uh, came uh, came to us. They had a lot of logs. They were really happy because they already tried to implement two AI systems. They had a lot of logs on their websites and all for the visits, but they forgot that they also had the crawlers in and they had to filter them out. Nobody they had the common sense of looking at that. So all the models they already built were wrong. They were more built to give the correct discount to Google than, than to do uh, to do the real discount to a real end customer. So that was uh, also some com common sense in some case, but especially domain knowledge is the most important. But when you say domain knowledge, I think in this context, we're referring to somebody who understands the technical requirements. Yeah, in that case, it was technical requirement, but also uh, in other cases in insurance, it's somebody that knows the, the business of insurance and somebody that knows the business of banking, somebody that knows the 
investment how an investment bank or or somebody that knows how to in some cases for example when you use it at a customer with with uh, furniture how they built furniture how it is built how it works how the furniture market works uh yeah what type of uh, customers are where what type of shops are where because in some cases i know for example i learned that from the customer that uh, you can have different seating comforts and certain markets don't want certain seating comforts if your AI model doesn't take into consideration that the furniture you build is, for example, more hard seating comfort, it will not work in the more Latin countries because they prefer more soft seating comfort. So, but if you don't take that into account or don't add that knowledge to the system, the system will say, okay, you should be able to sell in that country while in the end you won't sell in that country. Got it. That makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. And that is, uh, yeah, many people forget get that that you also need that knowledge kuhn i think we can talk all day because it's such a fascinating topic and this is such a new topic it's a new topic and it's really a, a topic i i like to be involved in a lot uh, i find it's always fascinating uh, to see what you can do already if you see what they can do with like sports analytics or anything on the ai side it's sometimes really impressive what they can do I, I couldn't agree more, but we'll leave it here and maybe we'll have you back for another conversation some point, uh, maybe just all on AI, because I think that could even be a, an entire podcast just on that one topic, of course. I mean, how could it not be? Anyway, I do want to thank you very much for your time today. Thank you so much. It's been absolutely fascinating. We've been speaking with Kuhn Decorte of CD Invest, again, an IBM I consultancy on modernization located in Antwerp, Belgium. Kuhn, it's been a real delight speaking with you. Thank you so, so much for your time today. Thank you as well, Charlie. And uh, it was nice talking to you. Always a pleasure. Thank you. And until next month, we'll talk to you then. Bye now, everybody.